Colombia used to be, you know, if there were 600,000 farms, there were 600,000 wet mills. Now you're starting to see a lot more consolidation, and especially lots of interest from farmers that are fairly medium and large buying other farms or selling out to some other bigger farm. There's going to be a lot more consolidation, so we'll see a lot less farms. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. If you asked a friend to name a favorite coffee origin, chances are they might mention Colombia, a vast and diverse coffee-producing country synonymous with beautiful farms producing lots of delicious coffee. Colombia is the third largest coffee producer in the world by volume behind Brazil and Vietnam and is the highest annual producer of washed Arabica coffee beans. In fact, the country produces a whopping 13 million 60 kilogram bags of green coffee each and every year. So in this episode, part of a mini-series on Colombia, we'll explore trends in the Colombian coffee market and what's next for its huge network of over 500,000 coffee farmers. In later episodes, we'll focus on the local Colombian coffee shop scene and the tremendous international demand for Colombian coffee. Now, to get an overview of the market and Colombia's different growing regions, we speak with Alejandro Cadena, CEO and founder of specialty green coffee exporter Caravella Coffee. Founded in 2000, Caravella has operations in 12 countries around the world, including their native Colombia, and exports high-grade specialty coffee from 4,000 farms across Latin America. Welcome, Alejandro. Thank you, Jeff. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about Caravella Coffee. When did you set up and, and what do you do? We started initially as an importer uh, of tropical fruits from Latin America in the year 2000. And in 2001, we started looking at other products to import to the UK. I was living at the time in the UK and my business partner, Giancarlo, was also there. And because, you know, Colombians, we take great pride on coffee, we decided to move into green coffee as well. We realized that we were not able to really compete with the big, big importers. And mm -hmm. so we had to really focus on a niche market. At the time, you know, the year 2000, specialty was very much in its infancy, mm. but we had already found some roasters in the UK that were focusing on specialty. We might recall Monmouth Coffee and yep. Union Coffee Roasters. Yep. They were the top players yeah. in, in that market. Yep. And Union was just starting. Yep. So we talked to those folks, mm. uh, and Italy Roy, yep. a, a wonderful person I got a chance to meet back then. Yep. And they helped us kind of define the vision that we needed to be as a company to be able to compete in a very difficult and competitive market. Yeah. You might also recall that at that time, the, the seed market was around 40 cents a pound. So, you know, roasters that were really focused on higher qualities were really worried about the future of coffee. You know, we had come from the 90s where prices had been over $3 a pound and now we're at 40 cents. And, and you know, farmers were starting to suffer with, with those uh, market conditions. So it was kind of the right moment at the right time. And here we are, uh, 20, 22, 23 years later, we're, we're still here. What's the scale of your business today? So how many farmers would you import from uh, or export from? And, and what's the sort of scale of your operations at the moment? So we work, uh, you know, depends on year, but in general, we navigate between about 3,000 and 4,000 uh, farmers with all, all seven origins. 
of course, Colombia is the biggest because, you know, not only it's the biggest player in the washed uh, Arabicas, uh, it's about half of our farmer base is based in, in Colombia. Is coffee a viable product for farmers in Colombia? And, and how does that compare to other parts of the world? That's a very difficult question. You know, coffee in every single country is a multitude of different uh, companies, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Every farm is different because there are not multiple uh, factors that affect the profitability of coffee farming. One of them is productivity, how many kilos of parchment or green you produce per hectare. The other one is scale, the size of the farm. Um, and the third one is price, of course, right? Yeah. And, you know, you can add one fourth one, which is also the consistency of what you produce, right? Because yeah. if you have a very good year for the high production, but then you have two or three years where your yields go down, that will significantly change your business. So yeah. it is a very complex uh, industry in that sense of every farm is a different universe, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. I would care to guess that, you know, in Colombia where there's over half a million farms, I would care to guess that about 70 to 80%, which are the smallholder farms, the ones that are below three hectares are not being profitable enterprises. Yeah. So it is a dire situation. There are good years like 2021 and 2022, but then there are very bad years. And we've seen a few of them in the last you know, 20 years that I've been in the, this industry. And is that volatility, both in the prices and in the productivity of the farm and the farm management that really make it very difficult for in the long term to have a viable business in coffee farmer in Colombia and in almost everywhere in Latin America except for Brazil. How does coffee growing in Colombia compare to other regions in South America and other parts of the world? What sets Colombia apart? Well, the first one is, is of course, the market uh, appeal, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Colombia is probably the best known origin around the world. Even more more people know, I think, that Colombia produces coffee than Brazil produces coffee, just to give you an example. So I think that the Juan Valdez campaigns of the early 70s, 80s, 90s were very instrumental in positioning Colombian coffee as a brand for most consumers. Yeah. People know that co- Colombian coffee is fairly good, right? Yep. That really helps and that is something that is unique that I don't think any other country in Latin America has done so well. The second one is, I think, the diversity. You know, Colombia is a big, big country compared to most other uh, Latin American countries. Yeah. And, and we produce coffee in 18 of the 30 departments that, that we have. So it's a very diverse microclimates uh, yeah. and regions. And these days, it's getting even more complex because uh, before 2010, before coffee new frost, the coffee trees in Colombia were mostly Katura. That's it. You know, 75, 80% of the coffee trees were Katura. These days, after coffee new frost, what you see it's a huge diversity of different uh, varieties. So you see Colombia, you see Castillo, you see Senecafe One, which are the hybrid uh, roaster system varieties, but you still see a little bit of Katura. You see uh, more of the exotic varieties popping up. In particular, I would, I would mention Pink Bourbon has, has become one of those champion varieties for Colombia. It's, it's, it's adapted really well to the environment here. Yep. And, and farmers do really uh, and like it because it seems to be a lot more robust than other uh, rust-resistant mm-hmm. varieties. Mm-hmm. So I think those two things, you know, the diversity both of climates and, and these days more varieties and mm-hmm. processes as well, it is a key advantage for Colombia and the sheer size of the market that you you have here is a huge advantage. Um, 
I think to add one more, I would say that the seasonality, you can buy coffee year-round in Colombia and it's fresh coffee year-round. We export every single month of the year coffee from Colombia. And, you can grow it. And it's mostly related to, to weather. We yeah. have two kind of different distinct weather patterns in Colombia. One is more uh, focused on the Pacific. That generally has a harvest during the first semester of, of, of the year. And then you have what we call Amazon uh, patterns that influence more coffee grow, uh, produced or harvested in the second semester. But because we have a huge mountain range, the Andes Mountains, which is divided into three ranges, the central, the eastern, and the western cordillera, as we call them, because they are in that mountainous terrain, which very high, high mountains, we have mountains of 5,000 meters above sea level. So you have these microclimates that where coffee can be produced almost year round because those microclimates, there is constant rain and periods of dryness, which create these flowering periods. Which are your largest coffee growing regions in Colombia? We started initially looking at the farms in the coffee belt region. So Caldas, Quindío, Risaralda, which were famous regions back in you know, late nineties and, and, and that, that period. And very early on in 2002, we started to focus more on Huila. Uh, which today is the biggest coffee growing region in the country. It produces about, if I'm not mistaken, about one and a half million bags of the 12 to 13 million that we're producing today. So it's a significant player today in the industry. And that's where about 40% of our coffee comes from, from Huila, about another 40% comes from Tolima, uh, and then we have about 20% coming from Cauca and Nariño. You know, people have a good um, recollection of Nariño because yeah. of Starbucks. That's their main origin, has been their main origin since the 80s. But it's not a, a huge producer of coffee. It has very good quality and that's why we focus on it. But it's, it's not huge. So it's about, mm -hmm. you know, 10% and the other 10% is Cauca. So, and we don't venture out into any other regions because that's where we really find the best examples mm -hmm of quality examples in Colombia and, you know, from those regions, we have enough diversity that we prefer mm -hmm. to focus in those four areas instead of trying yeah. to con conquer the whole yeah. country. You know, it's a big country and it can get very expensive to buy coffee from mm -hmm. a lot of the di different places. So we've, we've, as a strategy, we concentrate in those four origins and we have our dry mill centrally located so that it, it allows us to move coffee quickly and efficiently from the farms to our dry mill and then from there to the ports. Are there any regions that are considered the most premium to buy coffee from? I don't think there's a region, a particular region that has better coffee than others. I think mm -hmm. there's potential mm -hmm. in every single region, not yeah. only in Colombia, anywhere in the world. I think every single farm in the world, no matter even its altitude or its soil um, or even variety, if farmer is committed, is passionate about producing quality coffee, any farm in the world is able to produce amazing tasting coffees. We learned very early on is that what really mattered in coffee was not, you know, uh, people talk a lot about um, terroir and they talk a lot about variety and they talk about soil and weather. For us, the difference is not where the farm is located. The difference is always who the farmer is and if he or she is a passionate farmer that really wants to excel. Which country in the world would import the most Colombian coffee? I think the U.S. is our number one uh, market. Back in the 90s, Germany was, I think, number two. I think these days, number two, uh, of course, if you look at the European Union, it would be the European Union, but Germany is no longer number two. 
I, I think these days is more like uh, Switzerland or the Netherlands. Uh, and Japan has grown considerably. Now let's talk coffee drinking. How would a typical Colombian enjoy their daily coffee? If, if you've ever been to Colombia and you come to a house, they will always offer you tinto. You know, tinto is the, is the word that it, it basically describes like a cortado or a, even a double espresso, if you will. So it's a very small size cup with probably about 100, 150 milliliters of coffee. So it's called tinto. And it's usually uh, brewed uh, with filter or what something we call greca, which is an urn. It's called an urn in English. That's how you typically brew coffee in Colombia. Yeah. So despite being Colombia coffee drinking country, because of the small size of the cup, we don't really consume that much coffee. Mm -hmm. Is there any trends to the more kind of espresso-based coffee that we see in specialty coffee consuming countries like the UK, Australia, USA, etc.? Oh, massive. Especially after COVID, after the pandemic, we saw a huge surge in the consumption of specialty coffee. So there has been, a, a, in the last three or four years, has been a boom in, you know, specialty coffee uh, cafes uh, opening up all around uh, Colombia, not even, not only in, in, in Colombia, in Bogota, but you find them in Medellin, you find them in Cali, you find them in even Cartagena, uh, a tourist or a touristy place. Uh, and if you go to, for example, Pitalito, one of the biggest um, coffee producing towns in Colombia, you now find lots of different coffee shops. Uh, that is explained, of course, there is a lot of farmers that are looking into higher value, right? And one of that ways is of actually venturing to roasting and then, of course, to retailing um, beverages. So that's one of it. But of course, uh, there's also a new generation of people very similar, that behave very similar to, any, to, to, to a 25-year-old person in Copenhagen or London or LA or New York City mm -hmm. that wants to hang out at a coffee shop with friends, right? And even, you know, the working yeah. uh, entrepreneur that has their, its own uh, venture, whatever it is, they go to the coffee shop to hang out and to work. So you see the same phenomenons and behaviors that you see in any developed nation, you're starting to see more of that happening in, in Colombia. And that's why we're seeing a boom in terms of uh, both brands and diversity of uh, offerings. And even in the supermarket, the, the biggest yeah. uh, supermarket here that retails coffee is called Carilla. And you go there and you find easily 30 or 35 different coffee roasting brands. So even more diversity yeah. that you would find in, in a supermarket in London or New York City. What are the, some of the challenges that Colombian coffee producers are facing at the moment? I think, you know, the biggest challenge that we face today is rising costs. That, and that, that's not exclusive to Colombia, but that's a phenomenon that wasn't a concern in the past 10 years, primarily because we had a big influence of Venezuelans uh, that came to Colombia and, and they were happy to be coffee pickers. But after the pandemic and during the pandemic, a lot mm. of those Venezuelans had to go back to, to Venezuela. And so the amount of pickers has considerably reduced in the last three or four years, and that has created a, a big um, rise in, mm -hmm. in, in cost of production. Yeah. Manual labor is about 60 to 70% of total costs of the farm, and picking is about 30%. So any increases in the cost of, of labor really impact the uh, cost of production in Colombia and, and most of the washer regions that do selective picking. Yeah. 
And the other factor that really increases uh, the labor cost, of course, in, in coffee, and everybody in Colombia knows what the price of coffee is. It's publicly known um, statistics in any you know newspaper, radio, mm-hmm. or anything, they talk about the price of coffee, and everybody knows that, that when it goes up or when it goes down. Mm-hmm. And of course, pickers and workers do take advantage because when they see the price go up, they also ask for more money. And so with the increase in prices that we saw in 21, yep. 22, the cost of picking considerably increased. And you can't afford to not pick mm. coffee. You, you can't say no. If you, your cherry is red, you, no. know, you have to pay whatever price th- yeah. th- that exists in the market because you know, if it falls down, you immediately lose value. And especially in a country like Colombia where there's harvesting yeah. year round, and every week or every couple of weeks, you, you, you find farms in Huila that are harvesting. And because of the rain, in Central America, you can wait a few days extra, right? Pickers do not pick coffee in Central America mm-hmm. if it's raining. They simply don't go out to the field and pick coffee. Yeah. But they can afford that in Central America because when it's dry, the cherry lasts longer than the tree. But when it rains, cherries, yeah. uh, because they start to receive more weight, right? right. The, cherries tend to fall very easily from the branches. So in Colombia, nobody can afford to wait a few more yeah. days to pick coffee. On the contrary, what you see in Colombia is that the picking tends to be more towards the underripe than to the whiny um, shades of dark red that you see in Central America, precisely because of that. Uh-huh. Is coffee an attractive product to invest in or as in some other markets, you know, people are moving away from coffee because it's just not viable for their children. And uh, so rather get their kids ed- educated and, and, and go somewhere else. Is, is that the case in Colombia as well? Absolutely. I think every year we lose farmers and farms. Mm. Uh, we might not lose as, as many farms because you know, most of them get bought by neighbors. And especially when the market is, is down, the sea price market is yeah. down, you can get relatively cheap farms. If, if you have the cash to buy them. There is less and less farmers and farms in Colombia every single year. I, I, I believe that in the, the 90s, we had something like 700,000 farms. And today, I, I think the statistic talks about 540,000. And I think there's probably even less than, than that these days than, than the last time they, they, they did the census. So yes, it is not a profitable business, not a sexy mm. business for young populations. Again, Young people now have a lot more information what, what's out there, what are the possibilities in the world, right? And they're also more demanding because they can yeah. see wh- how other people live in other, other places of the world. So migration to the cities and now migration to other countries is a huge thing in Colombia and most of Latin America. And that will inevitably yeah. mean that there will be a lot less farmers in the next 20 years than there were in the previous 20 years. And finally, how do you think the Colombian coffee market has, say, changed in the two decades that you've been operating in? I would answer, what hasn't changed? <laughs> There's been tremendous change yep. in the last 20 years. You probably not, don't know this, but every time an exporter applies for an export license, it is a consecutive number. So you start with one, um, which is the FNC, and then you go up. And you know, Today, I think we're at 4,000. We got our license in August 2002. We are 178. So in the course of 20 years, there have been almost 4,000 new exporters popping up of all sizes. 
which tells you a lot about how the market has liberalized yeah. after the ICO agreement ended. Um, but also yeah. the fact that, you know, today anybody with a farm or without a farm can easily start a, an export co- operation fairly easy. And now, again, the internet and, mm. and the, the new ways of communicating really uh, make it very easy for somebody to start mm. offering samples to anybody anywhere in the world. So there's a mm. lot more competition than there used to be. Mm. We were almost the only one for the first five or six years of our history. We had no competition back in the early days. That was, you know, the, the beauty of being mm. first, right? But today we have all sorts of competitors mm-hmm. from in individual farms to cooperatives that are exporting their own coffee, even small grower associations exporting their own coffee. It's a very diverse market. That's one thing. The other thing that has changed mm-hmm. dramatically is, you know, back in 2002, this country was almost 80 or 70% Katura. Beautiful. It's my favorite variety still today. And today, Katura is about 20% of, 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 of the trees planted. So it's con- changed almost 180 degrees in the last 20 years. Of course, coffee new frost uh, and the, the epidemic that we had in 2008, 9, 10, uh, really transformed the, the industry and the ways farmers really uh, decide what variety they plant. And then in the last five or six years, we've seen an explosion of pink bourbon, uh, cedras, and even you know, henioides and, and other exotic varieties. And then now in the last three or four years, I would say the explosion of processes is huge. These days, if you look at you know, barista competitions or brewing competitions, most of the coffees tend to be Colombians. One, because they're, they're fresh. You can always find yeah. fresh coffee around, but also that, that, that speaks loudly about the diversity that you find today in Colombia, which was non-existent 20 years ago. It was usually Katura, Awash Katura, and that was it. What do you think is going to change over the next decade for Colombian coffee? Because of rising costs, I think we'll see less farms. I think inevitably we'll see a lot of very different types of of operations. One, much bigger farms, so a lot of consolidation. And and we're starting to see, I don't know if you've ever heard of a company that was set up about five years ago called the Green Coffee Company. They've raised, I think, something like $80 million from individual investors in the U.S. primarily. I think they're in Series C or Series D at the moment. And they've bought about two or two to 3,000 hectares in Antioquia. So they're now considered the biggest coffee farm in Colombia. And so they're, they're betting on consolidation and really efficient scale, right? Colombia used to be, you know, if there were 600,000 farms, there were 600,000 wet mills. Now you're starting to see a lot more consolidation, and especially lots of interest from farmers that are fairly medium and large of buying other farms or selling out to some, some other bigger farm. And so there's, a lot, there's going to be a lot more consolidation, which means um, less farms. But also I would say that we're starting to see a lot more of the medium-sized farms that are uh, starting to be very profitable because of the, the fact that they are doing exotic processes and exotic varieties and so on, and they're, they're doing fairly well. And so the, the medium-sized farms will, will continue to grow, I think, I believe and offer a lot more, more, more diversity. So I think we'll, we'll see a lot more diversity of profiles and processes and you name it in the next 10 years. But, you know, who is going to uh, have a, a tougher life? The small scale farm. So we'll see a lot of those small scale farms disappear and, you know, basically people abandoning coffee. So we'll see a lot less farms. 
I think that that would be the the, the biggest trend. The scope of the industry is going to change dramatically. Uh, we still have to wait and see what happens with the C market. If you see again prices below a dollar, that trend will accelerate dramatically. And I don't think in 10, mm. 10 years, let's say 2035, I don't think we'll have more than 400,000 farms in Colombia. So a significant you know, 30% decrease, if you ask me. Thanks so much, Alejandro, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to speaking again with you in the future. It's fascinating to hear how Colombia's different microclimates allow the country to produce coffee all year round. Yet as the demand for Colombian coffee burgeons, smaller growers continue to struggle with rising costs and labor shortages. And there's a serious risk that many of Colombia's smaller farms will close or be swept away in a rapidly consolidating market. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. And if you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, our newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Links are in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project is Un Weekend Contigo, sung in Spanish by New York-based artist Marley. Until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. Okay.